Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 14, Episode 85. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Friday. Steelers Nation wrapping down the week, getting ready for the Pro Bowl games this weekend that began on Thursday. Things slowing down a bit here post the uh, Rooney media tour and then the Arthur Smith reported hire. Still not made official by the team, but that should be coming soon. Dave also wrapping up the uh, Shrine Bowl, the game was last night. The Senior Bowl game will take place on Saturday. So things kind of starting to wind down here, but still plenty for us to discuss. Absolutely. Uh, happy Groundhog Day. Uh, did Punxsutawney, uh, Kazora, uh, did, did you step mm. outside and see your shadow today or no? Uh, I, I did not go outside. You know the rules when I want to go outside <laughs> here, but uh, the actual Punxsutawney Phil uh, did not see a shadow. So the early spring is coming. I thought he did see his shadow, did he? Or did he? he? I don't. It's early spring. Whatever whatever the shadow uh, oh, okay. in spring means, I, I, all I, I don't know. Everyone cares about Punxsutawney Phil. I could care less about Punxsutawney. Have you ever been out there? Or have, uh, how far away is that from where you live? Uh, it's like an hour plus. I've never been. When I was in college, we had for our TV station, somebody, not me, go out there. And they had to be there at like 2 a.m. to start the whole, you know, get set up and it's a crazy crowd. So uh, you will not find me outside at 3 a.m. looking at a groundhog <laughs> to see if he's chatter or not. So, uh, uh, but uh, that, that, that's a, that's a super big deal still after. Have you seen Groundhog Day? Is that a movie you've seen with Bill Murray or no? I've seen Groundhog Day. Uh, I don't think I have, at least not fully. I mean, I know the movie. I like Bill right. Murray, but that's one of the many, many movies that I have not seen. You, you'd, you'd probably enjoy that. So add that to your long list of 120 okay. <laughs> um, um, movies to watch here. Uh, all right. Uh, where would you like to start? Uh, we got, you know, we still got some Arthur Smith hangover probably to talk about here. And I, I know there's some other coordinator uh, news going, uh, uh, going on around the NFL and, uh, moves along the, you know, along those lines with other organizations, and obviously coming out of uh, Shrine Bowl week and Senior Bowl week, uh, we'll talk probably about a couple more uh, players that have caught our eyes. Yeah, we will, and sometime next week, hopefully for Monday, maybe sometime later in the week as well, we'll have on you know either one of the Shrine Bowl crew or the Senior Bowl duo, and then we'll get the other later in the week to discuss their time because their insight will be the most valuable in terms of what they view personally in Frisco or Mobile and the interviews they did and the reports they filed. So uh, we'll learn more about that, those events next week. Before we kind of get more into Arthur Smith, just to kind of do some of that quick housekeeping, we did open Wednesday's show. Uh, Mike Sullivan had interviewed for the Raiders OC job and the Saints OC job. He will not be the Raiders next OC. That's going to go to Cliff Kingsbury. And so oh. that's going to be the hire there by official full-time head coach Antonio Pierce. Now, the Saints job remains open. I really don't know the status of that in terms of where they're at in their process. But we know that Sullivan will not go to the Raiders. So presumably, based on some of the reporting from Jerry Dulac, that if he does not get an OC job, Sullivan, he will return to Pittsburgh as the team's quarterback coach. All right, so uh, what does that make uh, Las Vegas? The Air Raiders? 
Ayo. Ayo. Be here all week. Uh, <laughs> area, uh, but uh, the Steelers play the Raiders again out here in Las Vegas in 2024. So that will be uh, something to look uh, look forward to there. Uh, you know, I, I, you know I, I think it's interesting. The Browns are losing Callahan. Uh, that's big news. Uh, we'll talk about the AFC North has lost a lot of the right. coaching staff. The Ravens have lost a ton of guys. One of their front office, long-term executives, uh, their DC, Mike McDonald, a fantastic coordinator is now the Seahawks head coach and their DBs coach is the Titans DC and the Bengals lost their, uh, what offensive coordinator, uh, right. uh, Brian Callahan, who then took his dad, Bill Callahan from the Browns to uh, Tennessee. So big losses there. Absolutely. Uh, all right. And uh, obviously we're still waiting, probably not surprising that the Steelers haven't made this official yet with Arthur Smith, probably wanting to get back from the seat from the uh, senior bowl. And I would imagine there will be some sort of introductory press conference. Wouldn't you? That would make sense. Did they do that for Canada? Wasn't, they have an wasn't that COVID and all like that? Didn't he have yeah. to do it? Uh, via, did, wasn't it done like via zoom or something like that? At the time. I'm sure it was, yeah, because that was still pandemic era. I just don't remember if there actually was a Zoom call to introduce him or not. I forget. I thought I thought there was, but I, I might agree. be mis misremembering things in my old age. But uh, I, I I would think that maybe we would see something like that in a week or two or here. So it'd be nice, especially for an outside hire. I mean, right. Canada was an internal thing where you kind of knew the guy, so there wasn't maybe as much to discuss. So we'll see on that. Um, with Sullivan, let's assume he does not get the Saints job. Are you content? Are you fine with him returning to Pittsburgh as the quarterback's coach? I mean, obviously, this is a this is a key, uh, uh, you know, what could be a key year or will be a key year for Kenny Pickett. Uh, and I think without a doubt, they haven't seen the kind of progress uh, out of him that maybe they had hoped to. So my overarching thought is why not bring in somebody else mm. if this if this is kind of a last uh, guess? Because it, it, it really is. you got to find out who he is sure. in 2024 because after, after you know, uh, a, a year from now, a year plus from now, by May, you have to make the decision on this fifth-year option. So you need to find out who he is, who he isn't, if whether or not he can start uh, this year, uh, this coming season, and you know if, if he can show enough to warrant getting that fully guaranteed fifth-year option here. So my, from where I am right now, and with a new OC coming in, my personal thought would be to go in a different direction. Okay. That's fair. I understand that it, it can be tough to evaluate those positional coaches. Sure. We don't not... see it. and We don't know what he's being taught and how much is uh, Sullivan to blame or not to blame mm -hmm. and, and, and all like that. Look uh, there with, with, and someone wanted to make sure pointed this out uh, yesterday. I think it was either on Twitter or, or in that post that I did. Uh, 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 barring, you know, a couple of games there against obviously the, uh, the, the, the Patriots for sure. Uh, and, and, and the Colts, which, you know, was, was a chunk of games, but, you know, after moving on from Matt Canada, uh, last season as a whole, the quarterback position saw a nice increase in the adjusted net yard for passing attempt stat. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, once again, you can't, you can't look at that stat and then ignore what happened with primarily Mitch Trubisky, uh, in, you know, against the, uh, who was it? The, 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 the Patriots and the Colts, right? Uh, right. you, you can't just look past that, but you know, and then also you got to make sure that man, the running game really uh, started to find its, its, its groove, you know, uh, in the second half of the season and, you know, good, good quarterback play, uh, can, can be pointed to having a running game to build off of at times. But, uh, uh, long story short, I mean, this, this team made some strides, uh, in the passing game specifically after moving on from Canada. Not that right. it was not not that it was hard. Not that the ball wasn't uh, <laughs> in easy, the ground. Right, right. Easy to clear there. So, you know, I I guess the argument to me saying I wish they would go outside for for you know a, a, a new quarterbacks coach. You know, how much of an attaboy does Mike Sullivan slash Eddie Faulkner get for? what kind of happened after moving on from Canada. And, you know, it, it, it's easy to point to, man, I wonder what this off, you know, I wonder what this offense mm-hmm. would have been, would have been last season had they just moved on from Canada, which, you know, a lot of people were, were hoping would have happened prior to last season. Right. And they kept him for the continuity sake and look where they're at now. They're having to turn everything over a year later in what will be the most critical season for Kenny Pickett in 2024. So which, which you know, was the biggest fear. <laughs> yeah. I, I said a year ago that they're going to regret this, that we're going to be in this position just a year later in development and should have made the decision, rip the bandaid off a year ago, but that's all in the past. You're right with, I mean, the positional coach, you know, there's, there's, there's a results oriented element to it. you you are how your players play and that's how you partially get viewed, especially for such a critical piece like your, first round hopeful franchise quarterback, but I viewed Sullivan as a good coach from hearing him teach clinics to hear him from other players who have been coached by him, including Eli Mannings, who's advocated for Sullivan uh, a lot in the past, just from how this offense did get better um, as he became play caller post Matt Canada. So I'm fine with Sullivan coming back. I do think he's a good coach, but obviously, you know, and I think one other element too is there may be some, not, not that you keep Sullivan solely for this reason, but having a familiar voice and face for Pickett to bridge the new OC, I think will help him to some extent. So it's not completely brand new. There might be almost some sort of translation that a guy like Sullivan will travel can do as they pick up the verbiage and how this offense will look and change under Arthur Smith. So again, I don't want to harp on continuity too much. We're just kind of trashing it a second ago about them keeping Canada for that reason. But I, I do see some value for the Sullivan aspect um, on top of him being, I think, a good quarterbacks coach. All right. Well, that, I mean, that that's a good point. And, and for people that have listened, obviously, and uh, read the site long enough, I'm not one that jumps on uh, uh, train, you know, change just for the mm-hmm. sake of change. But uh I, I would just leave it at this. I mean, and, and, and it's, it's a captain obvious statement is that 2024 is such a key uh, year for, for Kenny Pickett and really the quarterback position in, uh, in totality uh, if it's not uh, Pickett uh, because of look this and, and, and Art Rooney made it clear, you know, uh, it, 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 something 
this team needs to get into playoffs and win win some playoff games here. So uh, how do you go about doing that, especially if you think that your running game is going to be okay, uh, hopefully better, but uh, uh, you know you would expect the, the quarterback play to be the difference in Art Rooney, you know, and, I, and Mike Tomlin too, you know, in, came right out and said that, you know, they got to get better quarterback play. So uh, obviously Sullivan has been in that room for several years now and whatever gets results, man, you got to have, you got to have better quarterback. Uh, None of this. And we pointed this out. We're talking about the Arthur Smith uh, hiring and all like that. None of it's going to matter what he comes in and does if they don't get better quarterback play, plain and simple. Agreed, 100%. In terms of other coaching staff potential moves, let's assume Sullivan stays. Let's assume Pat Meyer stays. I think things to look for in terms of what I believe will happen. I think they will add some other offensive assistant after they lost Glenn Thomas to Nebraska. He was there for one year. Maybe just people are asking, will they add a pass game coordinator? I'm not going to rule it out, but I don't expect that right now. They don't really ever do the pass game coordinator and the OC in Pittsburgh is kind of the de facto pass game coordinator because the O-line coach typically kind of spearheads the run game and they're the not in title, but kind of in practice run game coordinators. So that's kind of how I, I see the division of labor uh, happening in Pittsburgh between Arthur Smith and Pat Meyer. They have to work together obviously, but I, I'm not expecting a pass game coordinator. I think a general assistant may be brought in and then a, a defensively at the least an assistant defensive backs coach after losing Gerald Alexander to the Raiders, Good Pittsburgh point. always has, you know, two guys because it's such a large group of guys, safety some corners, especially in training camp. So they should fill that with who, when, no idea. But I expect that to happen at some point within probably a month or so. I think former Steeler uh, Mike Mitchell has thrown his hat in the ring, has he not? Yeah, he had mentioned that after the Colts didn't renew his contract. So will that happen? It makes sense. But I have no idea, no special insight to whether or not uh, those talks are going on. Yeah, and obviously Mike Tomlin being down there in Mobile, probably talking to a few people. So we'll see how that plays out. So uh, I, I, you know, I think we'll be talking about, you know, uh, like you stated there, uh, uh, additions to this coaching staff here moving forward the next couple of weeks. Right. And, and didn't didn't you know hasn't that kind of strung further into the off season these last couple of years where we're getting this kind of news, like not right at Senior Bowl time like on, on into late February, even March. I think so. I'd have to go back and look, but it does feel like some of these coaching hires get made later than they used to be. And with the NFL, especially pushing the timeline back in terms of when head coaches get hired, it kind of pushes just the whole staffing turnaround and shuffle league wide back a little bit. So we'll see, you know, you assume by the combine that these things will get filled, but that's still a ways away. All right. Uh, should note, uh, all and uh, 32 NFL teams now have a head coach after Dan Quinn as becoming the commander's head coach. Pittsburgh will face three new head coaches in 2024. Four, if you count Antonio Pierce, who just shed his interim label after replacing Josh McDaniels midway through last year. So it's going to be, what, Jim Harbaugh out there in uh, Los Angeles, Raheem Morris in Atlanta, and then Dan Quinn in Washington. And Pittsburgh actually was 0-3 against new head coaches this year. Uh, in 2023, they lost to, uh, what, D'Amico Ryans, Shane Steichen, and Jonathan Gannon. So Pittsburgh hopefully will not go over three again in 2024. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> a couple of those, uh, the obviously the Colts game and the uh, uh, the Arizona game. Oh, boy. And the Texans, all three. Oh, yeah. 
Well, look, I mean, you look back after the fact now and you, you see what the Texans did and it's, it's a little more forgivable, <laughs> you know, right. yeah, uh, I guess. after the fact. But uh, at the time, you definitely thought, you know, man, they, they should have beat those guys on the road, even on the road there. But, uh, uh, I mean, the Texans had a great season. Sure, but 30-6, to six, you got stopped. Right. I mean, that, right. just, that just hurt. True, true. Yeah, couldn't do anything in that game offensively for sure. Did you have any takeaways for this? Hiring cycle, uh, a lot of names are not head coaches. Bill Belichick won't be head coach in 24. Mike Vrabel, we thought some of the up-and-comer OCs, Bobby Slowick in Houston, Ben Johnson in Detroit, they're staying put. Um, a lot of second-timers, the names I just mentioned have all been head coaches before, Quinn, Morris, and Harbaugh. Any general takeaways from this hiring cycle? Yeah, I was a bit to see, uh, a bit surprised to see a couple of those OCs stay put. And, uh, you know, Raheem... Man, where where has it Raheem been? You know, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, you know, he, he obviously highly respected. You know, good friend of Mike Tomlin's and uh, been in 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 the coaching circles for a while. So I found that a a, a bit curious. I thought for sure Atlanta was going to go with Belichick. Same, I thought so too. And I think Arthur Blank was pushing for that or had that initial thought, but then kind of got talked out of it by his general staff. Uh, and I, I'm guessing that Belichick doesn't have uh, a job because of maybe kind of the control that he wanted. That I just think about age too. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, what is there a five year plan for a guy that probably won't be head coach five years from now? It, it's hard to to hire this guy and say, okay, in two years we're going to do it all over. I mean, I just I think that might be the issue. Well, uh, my pushback to that is, you know, uh, John Harbaugh. It fit. Ten, t- will, will John Harbaugh coach, you know, as long uh, or I uh, get my Harbaugh's confused. Will Jim Harbaugh <laughs> uh, uh, coach as long as John Harbaugh, John Harbaugh has? No, I don't think so. Uh, and and uh, Jim Harbaugh's last stint in the NFL with the 49ers was four years, was it not? That sounds about right. This just feels like one. Uh, and look, I mean, go at least he's got a quarterback over there, and, and and you know can can go in and and uh see if he. It feels like a like a four year grab for him, another four year grab for him. Yeah, I, mean, I, I be, do. But but if he was coaching five years from now, if it all worked out well, wouldn't shock you that the guy's what sixty two or sixty four? I mean, I would put I would put five years at the max. Okay, I mean, you know, he's kind of bounced a little bit from place to place, mm-hmm. I guess, but. The age is it won't be because of age, though, is the reason why he wouldn't be coaching longer than five years. It's just because he would go do something else. Who's the better coach? John or Jim? That's a good question. Um, It's a little hard to compare because it's a little bit of the college game versus what uh, John has done at the pro level. I mean, I I think they're both really good coaches. They've done a tremendous job. I mean, Harbaugh. Is only one year behind Tomlin in terms of tenure. I, I'll, I'll give the edge to to Jim though, just because he has literally won at every place that he's gone to: okay. Stanford, the 49ers, um, and then Michigan won a championship there, and then now goes to the Chargers. So both really good coaches. But I mean, Jim, what has he ever just not won at? I mean, he's a quirky dude, and he just finds a way to get guys to to lock in and makes it work, and they win because of it. All right, fair enough. All right, uh, moving on from. Around the NFL. 
And landing back in Pittsburgh, as the team will do in Mobile today, they usually leave on Friday, typically don't stay for the game. Uh, Arthur Smith, Dave, you had a great article talking about kind of the deep dive into the stats, adjusted net yards per passing attempt, and, and tying this pass game to, uh, success to run game success. So just kind of uh, lay out uh, the post you wrote. The article is entitled, Why Instant Run Game Improvement is Required from New Steelers Offensive Coordinator Arthur Smith. So just kind of take us through that, that post. Yeah, uh, and, and everybody knows how, how, how big a fan I am of the adjusted net yards for passing attempt stat. I try to tie it to as much stuff as I can, but it's, it's hard to ignore, especially when you look back at uh, past Super Bowl winning uh, teams and, and, and all like that. But uh, w- when you look at this and uh, I, I, hopefully uh, 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 Clayton can Eckert can uh, during the off season, maybe have some graphs and some uh, analytical stuff tying, you know, I don't know, uh, adjusted net yards for passing attempt to uh, some of the run, some of the newfangled run success uh, EPA and stuff like that. I mean, I'm sure that kind of stuff's probably already been hit before, but I'd like to see it maybe touched on again on 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 you know for our site and maybe some stuff tied to like play action and play action under center and and EPA and and adjusted net yards and all like that. But uh, at its core, uh, when you look at the past five years with Arthur Smith. And, you know, going back, obviously, to 2019 with the with the Titans, uh, obviously, the first two years with Tennessee were the first two years for Ryan Tannehill uh, with the Titans there. Uh, They came out of both of those seasons with very respectable adjusted net yard per passing attempt stats, very, very close together. In fact, the quarterback ratings as well, uh, too. Uh, 7.54 in 2019 was the team quarterback uh, adjusted net yards for passing attempt stat. And in 2020, 7.84. So it even went up uh, just a tad there. And man, you get over, you get over 7.0 and, you know, specifically you get over 7.5. Those, those are strong uh, stats in that category uh, in, 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 in today's NFL, both times, in, in both those seasons, that, that those respective numbers ranked fifth overall in the league. And, you know, obviously, Tanny Hill threw 29 TDs in 2019 and in, in 2020 through, I think, or their team did 29 TDs. And in 2020, 33 passing TDs uh, combined just 15 interceptions uh, uh, in those two years. So that, that obviously cannot be overlooked. We talked about in sacks play into the adjusted net yard for passing attempt number and the fact that they had 56 of them in 2019 as a team yet still had the 7.54 adjusted net yards for passing attempt number uh, is impressive. Now you cannot talk about anything. I don't think that the Tennessee Titans did in those two years with Arthur Smith without talking about uh, uh, the run game. And, you know, you had uh, Derrick Henry over there uh, and you look at their, rush uh, expected points added and their rush success ranks, which are all uh, really in vogue stats these last couple of years. Uh, 
you know, that this was easily a top five team in both those statistical categories in both 2019 and 2020. Uh, in fact, in 2020, man, they were second in rush expected points added for the Titans and first in the league in rush success rate, which, uh, you know, we're, we're a big proponent mm -hmm. of that rush, rush uh, success rate there. Uh, but, you know, the takeaway, the easy takeaway here is that, especially when you look at what Ryan Tannehill had done prior to coming to Tennessee and what he has done since Arthur Smith uh, left. And, and I mean, look, the, these are still the a Titans team post Arthur Smith that still had Ryan Tannehill, still had Derrick Henry, right? Well, after Arthur Smith left, you know, there was a decline in adjusted net yards for passing attempt stat for, for, for Tannehill and the Titans, you know, uh, they, their, their run metrics decreased as well too, even with a guy like uh, Derrick Henry. Now Derrick Henry, the past three seasons, I think has missed like a total of like 10 games or something like that. So that can't be dismissed, but the easy takeaway here, and it's not a Eureka uh, type type moment is that you know at least with with Tennessee you know the 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 run game I think aided Ryan Tannehill and 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 what Arthur Smith was trying to build as far as a passing game off of the running game there in Tennessee. Now you fast forward into the three three seasons with Atlanta here. Uh, look, it was a mess with them overall mm -hmm. offensively there in 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 in, in the three seasons. Uh, in two thousand, his first season there in Atlanta, two thousand twenty-one, uh, five point six one adjusted net yards for passing attempt stat, which was nineteenth overall in the NFL, five point eight three. And remember, two thousand twenty-one was what Matt Ryan's uh, final year in Atlanta, right? So you had a veteran right. quarterback uh, there. Uh, 2022, uh, 17th in the NFL at 5.83 adjusted net yards for passing attempt. And then let this past season, 5.44. Now, when you go and you look at the run metrics and, and try to marry them up, you know, Arthur Smith's first year in, 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 in Atlanta with, with uh, Matt Ryan, there is a quarterback Boy, they you look at the run metrics and uh, at least in the uh, expected points added in the, in the rush success rank, they were pitiful. Thirtieth uh, in rush success rank and thirty first overall in, in 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 or I should say thirtieth in expected points in in rush expected points and thirty first overall in rush uh, su success rank. There, pitiful, and mm -hmm. it's 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 no wonder that you know they. I, I think the the hope was to go in there, turn that run game around there, and 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 have uh, Matt Ryan have a Ryan Tannehill type season. Uh, you know, a guy later in his later in his years, but but obviously that did not work at all. Uh, the interesting year here, when it comes to Arthur Smith, is in Atlanta is 2022. They actually were able to, at least from a uh, advanced metrics standpoint, get that run game turned around. Uh, they were fourth in the NFL and expected points added, and they were fifth overall in the NFL in, in rush six, uh, success rate percentage at 45.1. 
Uh, but the quarterback play, obviously, they had moved on from uh, Matt Ryan, and they were left with uh, then rookie uh, Desmond Ritter. And who was the other one there? Um, Mariota, Marcus Mariota. Uh, Marcus Mariota there. And, you know, they obviously started the season with Mariota. And we, we know how that played out, uh, giving way to Ritter there uh, uh, later on as, as the season went on there. Uh, it, it, it's going to be interesting to get deeper as we go into this offseason to look at some of that 2022 tape now. And then fast forward into 2023, man, the, the run game went backwards, 28th overall in both those statistical categories. And then you saw the uh, uh, just a net yards for passing attempt stat be the worst that has been in the three years that Arthur Smith was there. Uh, not a surprise when you have, uh, you know, looking back at it now, you know, Ritter just not progressing the way they wanted him to, and then throwing in uh, Heineke uh, on, on, on top of it there. So by not ha- by two of those three years, not having the running game that they wanted over those three span, three year spans. And then obviously going from a veteran quarterback in Matt Ryan to putting all your eggs in the basket in Ritter, Mariota, uh, Heineke that did not go well. And, you know, I think, and this, this is obviously a, a, a eureka moment as well, too. My takeaway here when it comes to Arthur Smith and, his immediate impact here in 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 with, with with the Steelers in Pittsburgh is, man, they have got to have a running game to build off of here right out of the shoot. Now, the Steelers coming out of 2023, uh, their running game wasn't awful, you know, but even so, it it it, it you know is about top ten. It has room for improvement, and it needs to improve. I think you need to first and foremost, uh, for for this Steeler passing game to have any type of adjusted net yards for passing attempt stat worth worth writing about. Now, look, we don't even know who's going to the, who who the quarterback's going to be yet. We don't know who if Mason Rudolph's going to come back. You know, my my initial inclination is that. Kenny Pickett's probably going to start the season as a starter, but we obviously don't know that for sure. But I don't think any of this matters unless Arthur Smith can come come in and right out of the shoot because we've seen some slow starts by this running game mm-hmm. the last couple of years as well, too. Uh, but you do have Najee Harris returning. You do obviously have Jalen Warren returning. Turning. You would like to think slash hope that there's going to be two new pieces on this offensive line, hopefully a center, hopefully a tackle there. Uh, they have got to come out of shoot with the running game clicking for this, for us to see improvement in the passing game. And in my opinion, with the, at least my initial outlook of the quarterback position of it, obviously being Kenny Pickett being one of the, uh, combatants in that we'll have to see who the other one is is it going to be mason rudolph could you could you realistically see as we talked about a guy like maybe ryan Tannehill being an option for this team if it's not mason rudolph i don't i don't think you can discount that as much as people are turning their nose up 
to it, it would make a lot of sense for 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 uh, for several reasons there. But you know, the, the 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 takeaway here is is if we're going to see this team have better quarterback play right out of the shoot, and th- this team wins some games and make make some hay potentially at a playoff spot and beyond, meaning winning games, is all of this is going to have to be a byproduct of a better running game. No, I agree, and that just makes sense. When you have a, a stronger running game, you have more balance, you have more dimensions, you stay on schedule, you don't get put in third and long as often, your pass game should should work off of that. And we talked about in Wednesday's show how well and how important it is for Smith to marry his run and pass game, especially off of play action, to make that more effective. The question becomes... Why Why did the Falcons not have near the success with the run game in his three years that they had in Tennessee? Um, not maybe that you would expect it to be as good when you had it Derrick Henry, but why couldn't he kind of find that run game with any sort of consistency, especially in 23 when he had a really talented back in B. John Robinson, seventh overall pick, top dude, considered one of the best running back prospects to come out in the last five plus years. Why has he struggled to get that run game to even a you know serviceable level? That's the most that that's the biggest question right now. That the I, I think uh, tape and more metrics will answer. But you know he did turn it around in 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 in, in 2022, only to see it go back to the other end. Right uh, there uh, does non does does poor quarterback play. Uh, yeah, but you're saying the run game kind of leads the quarterback play, not right, the quarterback right. play. Well, I mean, it, 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 it does have you question, is it a chicken or an egg type thing, mm-hmm. you know, here? Uh, In Pittsburgh, well, we know the run game's got to come first, though. Right, right. Uh, but it is it is confusing to a guy that came out. Uh, look, he didn't have Derrick Henry. <laughs> I, I, I'll tell you, tell you that, especially in 2021. You know, but what? Mm-hmm. But he also did not have Bijan in 2022, uh, right. and was able to turn that running game. Uh, was it a thing of him, his system having to take hold a year? But you know, with it within that, you turn around and you get a, a you know, you spend an early draft pick on a running back like that. You wouldn't expect that running game, regardless of the court, who 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 the quarterback is, to regress the way it did. You know, in 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 some of these metrics here, so that's that's the most com- confounding thing. You can excuse him to some degree about the quarterback talent that he had all three years, but what happened in the running game? Right, and remember, we thought for the longest time Deshaun Watson was going to go to Atlanta. That was the big talk. And that fell through. He goes to Cleveland and they have to look at Matt Ryan and say, oops, we were about to trade you because we were going to get to Sean Watson. And now you're not happy. And now we're going to send you to Indianapolis and start over. But their quarterback play in 22 and 23 was about the same. I mean, it wasn't good. In right. 22 it was Ritter for part of the year, Mariota. And then they just had this revolving door last year of Heineke and Ritter. So I, I think the criticism that gets put to Smith is, oh, he only had success in Tennessee because he had Derrick Henry. And I think that's probably unfair and too too broad based. And we talked about that Henry didn't really become Derrick Henry until Smith became the OC in 19. But when you look at the lack of success in the last three years, 
it doesn't, it only, I think, helps the argument that, you know, Smith only had his best success whenever he had a, a prime Derrick Henry. When he did not have that, he's not been able to capture even top 10 level of a run game consistently. And when he did have Tannehill, at least he had a competent guy uh, who, who mm-hmm. you know, had, had obviously had some experience. So uh, on, on top of it. now, once again, the Titans have regressed in, 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 in several, you know, key metrics since, since Smith left. Now, is that a byproduct of that? Or is that guys getting older is, you know, uh, you know, to some degree, he should get some credit with what happened in obviously in 2019 and 2020, man, we, we talk about, uh, the key metric of they, they were putting up points in, in, in both in 2019 and it saw like a five point something per game uh, increase in 2020 there. Uh, I don't have the answer yet as far as the run game uh, decline with the Falcons from 2000, you know, as a whole 2021, 2023, but it is something that I, I think we both need to dive into to try to find uh, the answer uh, uh, to that. Was it personnel on the offensive mm-hmm. line, uh, which they had a you know, pretty talented center, didn't they? Um, Do- well, they had Dal- Dalman the last couple of years. Um, I mean, I mean, they've had, you know, Jake Matthews, Chris Lindstrom's, I think one of the more underrated guards in football. I don't know how many injuries they've suffered. They've had Caleb McGarry, who's kind of, I think, been not exactly what they wanted to be. So I, I don't know their line to a T, but I don't know if they had injuries that impacted the run game or what their other circumstances were. And look, once again, not the best quarterback play uh, in those three years there. And, yeah. but in and, Pittsburgh, how good of a quarterback are you? Right, right. Meriting? Right. Look, I mean, it's a, it's, it's the, it's, it's the biggest thing. It's the biggest question, uh, right now moving forward with the Steelers is the quarterback play. Exactly. So yeah. It, so can, the main take- can, can, uh, you know, a, without a doubt, the running game, even though it, it, it wasn't awful by the time the season ended and, and, and look, they don't, they don't go on that, uh, three game winning streak without the good running game late last year. So they started to get things worked out there. Uh, and then obviously you had to change at quarterback with Mason, who was, who gave you competent play uh, overall there. And as we mentioned uh, at, at the, and look, I mean, Mason Rudolph posted a nine point something adjusted net yards for passing attempt stat number, albeit in limited play in one of those games against the Ravens. Uh, who, 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 who were resting people and all like that. So there was, there was turnaround offensively in, in all metrics in those final three games. Uh, but you're not guaranteed to have Mason back. You still have the questions about Kenny Pickett. Uh, uh, I do think though, overall there's, there's, a, there's room for improvement in the running game. I think you would agree, uh, uh, uh within that there, but, uh, the, the, the main takeaway for me is that if we're going to see the passing game get better across the board for the Steelers, you know, not only in, in the metrics that I like, but, but all, you know, drop back success, success, success rate and mm-hmm. all, all the key metrics along, along those lines, it, it's only going to happen if the running game makes improvements. I agree. And I think to your point, and it's a really critical one and something I want to kind of dive into more over the next week or so, Specifically, when you're talking about what we think Arthur Smith wants to do philosophy-wise. Yeah, I mean, we know he's committed to the run, and that's the bread and butter. And his offenses have to run the ball effectively and efficiently 
for this whole thing to work. There's no no question about that. But I, I think that the, the big key that you mentioned is they have to start faster because in 2022, the run game did not get going until post by week 10. In 2023, did not get going until week nine against Tennessee. And from there, it was pretty good the rest of the way. But you can't go half your season not able, not being able to run the football. It's just not sustainable. So that, to me, is kind of Smith's mission is to get this run game jump-started sooner than what it's been. Uh, you know, we talked about uh, how this, you know, going back to what Smith wants to do or what we think he might want to do as far as going more heavier outside zone runs. And uh, I want to circle back kind of to, to the discussion that we had there. Uh, it's not like these guys don't know how to run outside zone. That's that, that, that shouldn't be the emphasis here. The emphasis should be is what happens if they go a more heavier outside zone. They're not going to run outside zone on 30 running plays a game. Okay, and this team has run outside zone before. Actually, they've run it a little bit more than what I what I remembered. And in fact, last season, and once again, this this gets into who's who's mm -hmm. charting this stuff as to are some of these stretching stretch you know. Uh, which which sources is charting this and and absolutely tagging this as an outside zone uh, run and you know or some of these stretches or some of these true outside zone runs uh, without going back through and tagging each one of them ourselves and once again we're probably not going to be a hundred hundred percent on the money as far as you know tagging these properly but I will tell you according to SIS. They have them tagged as 65 outside zone runs in 2023. Okay. I wonder how many of those came the first month of the season. Just curious. I, I, I don't think we have that data, but I would just be curious. Uh, I could break it down by game. I think they allow me to do I mean, I, okay. I, I could spend, spend time doing that. It seemed to be kind of spread out overall, to be honest with you, because I think I pulled up the playlist. Okay. I mean, uh, yeah, yeah. Our, our point is not when we talk about their gap scheme that they ran that exclusively when the run game got better, but it just became a, a component and a layer to, to what made their run game successful. They ran everything last year. They ran everything in 2022. Pat Meyer can no run scheme is foreign to him. You know, you can run anything basically, but you just don't want to lean too much on that wide zone and make sure the gap schemes don't really shrink or get ignored and kind of become a one note type of offense. Here, here's something that I pulled away because I, I, I did want to, after our last talk, I wanted to go back and see, well, how much outside zone have they run? And what, what, what did that look like from success rates and all like that? Uh, I will tell you this, uh, and I, I plan on doing a post on this as well. Uh, and I'm going to try to look at Atlanta too. the last couple of seasons, as far as outside zone runs, I haven't gotten that far into it, but once again, we've got a lot of time before we see <laughs> our first outside zone run uh, in, in Pittsburgh uh, under Arthur Smith here uh, of the 65 tag outside zone runs that the Steelers had in 2023, 21 of them, Alex 21, which is uh, damn near a third of them went for one yard or worse. What's the proper mm. what's the proper grammar to use there? Uh, one yard or less, one yard or worse, one yard or fewer, fewer, 
It's a good Scott Brown question. Okay. Uh, I I am not. I I I got kicked out. I I got kicked out of high school with a passing grade. Went uh, for no more than one yard. We'll say. Uh, I like uh, to avoid. There we go. That that, that okay. Uh, how, how whatever grammar you want to use. Uh, nearly a third of them f- failed miserably. Uh, right. no 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 more than one yard on. Uh, now uh, those runs as a totality on paper, don't look bad. Uh, break out, break out your toes here. Okay. Uh, 262 divided by 65. How many toes does that leave you with? Uh, 4.03, three hundredths of a toe. Okay. So, you know, if you get four yards per, per, per carry, if you gain four yards on every play, you'd never lose a ball game, right? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We're going old school today. Uh, but, uh, you look at damn near a third of them were, were, were failed plays. Uh, now, 91 of those 262 yards on the tag 65 outside zone runs came on four plays. What was the biggest play? Like 20, uh, 20 something yards. It was the, uh, in fact, I think it was the, the 20 something yarder against the Titans over to, to, to the right side by, by, by Najee Harris. If, if memory okay. serves me, how many of those four were from Harris versus Warren with a split? Was it three, one Harris has one apparently. Uh, I, I think Warren had at least one in there. I don't remember specifically. Okay. Uh, I know Warren had at least one, maybe two, but they, I, they both had, they both had explosive pl- okay. explosive all four of those works were explosive plays of 20 yards or longer. sure i i'd just be curious on the division who was more successful on outside zone and who uh, ran it more often harris or warren to see maybe if there was a tendency in terms of who was more comfortable running that yeah i, I would have to break it down now i mm-hmm. i know warren showed up on at least one of maybe two of them and i okay. want to say naji was at least two of them so i i mean there there's a question of what where that extra one came from i i don't I'll look, I'll look it up for you. I don't have it in front of me, sure. uh, but my main takeaway here is that, uh, you know, I don't want to say half what's, what, what's 91, 91 yards of 262 yards. I mean, that's, you know, 35%. Uh, okay. So 35% of them came on just four of 65. Uh, the, I, I'll tell you this, it was feast or famine. It looks like it. And I imagine the run success rate was low off of that. The numbers you're giving me right now. Right. I'll have to look that up as well, too. But when you talk about already a third of them being just one yard mm-hmm. or, 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 or no fewer, more than one yard, <laughs> yeah, no more than one yard. That is not great, Bob. So uh, now they they ran it even more. In fact, they ran it more than I even thought in. Now, here, here's the thing. Once again, uh, if you look at 65 let's assume this 65 numbers, right. And you divide it by 17 games. What's that per game? Uh, it would be 3.8. Okay. So, you know, once again, you're, you're, you're not running it a ton in there and it's not like this team hasn't run it before. Now I will tell you this, I think according to SIS, I think the Steelers were one of the, one of near, near the top of the league, according to their numbers, like top three or something in trying to run outside zone runs. Really? They're yeah. 65 was top three in the NFL. 
No, no, the uh, the year before that. Oh, oh, the year before. Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, and 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 you know, obviously, once again, the the run game didn't didn't start clicking until later in the season, right? Second mm-hmm. half of the season there. So, um, the point I'm trying to make is as much emphasis as we put on the last podcast of this team, really having to drill this. It's not like they haven't done it before, but if their if their emphasis is is going to be heavy outside zone, they are going to have to drill the living you know what out of it and do it better. You know, you right. can drill it and, and run it, but can you run it effectively, consistently? So I'm not making any conclusions, and I know that's not going to be they're not going to be exclusively wide zone. I think right. we all can can agree upon that. And actually, it kind of leads me to my only kind of new point I have. I was late last night. I was watching Arthur. Uh, Smith's uh, press conference when he got hired by Atlanta, the first press conference he gave. And he was asked about that by a reporter. Hey, you're a wide zone guy. What's your philosophy there? And his his initial response was, hey, I'm not just wide zone. We're going to run gap schemes too. I don't know how much they actually did that in Atlanta. The numbers, I think, seemed a little bit less so on that. But to, to make the point, I'm sure he'll be asked about that in Pittsburgh. And I imagine he'll give a similar response and say, yeah, I'm a wide zone kind of foundational guy, but we're not going to do just one thing. And he talked about in that press conference, we're going to adjust the personnel and match things. So he's not someone who has his head in the sand and say, we're going to do one thing and one thing only. It's my system. I think he'll recognize the variety of the run game. And the, he talked about Atlanta. They had some bigger people, some bigger guards, and they were going to lean on kind of pulling and stuff like that. So, I mean, they should still do it. But I just wonder how much. And I, I just want to see how the run game looks because I think you can't can't get rid of those gap runs because they were so successful for Pittsburgh. Right. And a good offensive coordinator will adapt what his, mm-hmm. his, his core uh, beliefs around what, a, what a personnel and, and, you know, scheme has worked well with, with, with the people that they have. Right. You know, exactly. now, uh, and I started to go down the rabbit hole of, and it, it was a wrong rabbit hole to go down to of looking at some of these college centers coming out thinking, I wonder, wonder which one of them ran the most out, outside zone. And that that's really, uh, as I started to go down that hole, I thought, what are you doing, Dave? You know, uh, that's the wrong way to look at it. You want the best player uh, at, at, at a position and you want to adapt around what that player does. So uh, I, I immediately scolded myself for don't, there's no need to look at which one of these centers was, you know, and in fact, I, I think we pulled at least from last year, Georgia, at least when it came to power five schools, Georgia ran the most outside zone uh, okay. uh, there. But uh, uh, long, long story short here, uh, a, I think that this offensive line needs a couple of new pieces, specifically a center and a tackle in it. And I don't think that we should rubber stamp until we see it that Arthur Smith's going to come in and 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 65% of his run plays are going to be outside zone scheme. If he's able to do that, fine. But here's the thing on top of it, though. When you look at his better run success rates in in, in, in Tennessee, came outside zone, right? Obviously. He, yeah, was, he was a so. predominant. Out, uh, is, is his scheme 
especially with what like he wants to do with 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 moving the the, the quarterback to have field sometimes. How reliant are those two in being married together? That's the ultimate question, I guess, huh? And we're going to find that out here pretty quick. Right. Uh, that That's another main takeaway when I back my, my own self up here. When looking at the big picture of numbers uh, with run success rates and obviously what he did well in Tennessee uh, with that personnel, and then you go back to that 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 instructional video that he that we covered with him talking to the UNC staff and all like that, uh, because he was pretty he was pretty animate about it, about we're going to be a wide outside zone team, right? Yeah, again, that's his upbringing. That's that Joe Gibbs influence. I mean, that's it's going to be a component. We'll just see how much of a component it is and how successful they can be when they when they call it. I, I guess my my one of the biggest questions coming, coming out of every, all the study that I've done so far uh, with him is what happens if he can't run outside zone to the degree that he did in Tennessee for those two years, how much does that impact the rest of like what he wants to build his passing game off of? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I mean, it's probably going to be a significant impact in terms of their play pass game and their keepers. I mean, that's, that's, how this thing gets built up your wide zone paired with your play action, your keepers. And, you know, you kind of work from there. And if that doesn't work, if you're, if you're, if you build a house and your foundation isn't strong, it doesn't really matter what you build above it. It's not going to hold. Right. And, and once again, it's not like he was in Tennessee going again, again, although some of the things you could do with Derek Kenyon with that outside zone mm-hmm. and, and the personnel that he had, that he talked about in that video with, uh, with the center and all like that. Maybe he was going again. I mean, because they obviously used outside zone quite a bit. So, uh, circling back, you know, you would hope that okay, if if he can, if if outside zone is his, if is his bread and butter, what he feels his offenses work best off of, can he implement that more in Pittsburgh? And if not, you know, is he able to run? the passing concepts, what passing concept, can he have the kind of passing concepts success that he had in Tennessee those two years by being more of a, 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 a gap run, run team? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I mean, their play action is not really built off their gap scheme. It doesn't feel like it's, it's off their wide zone in their duo. So again, we'll just have to, to wait and see. It's kind of the big question. Um, it, it would be unfair to say that he's not flexible and doesn't recognize the, the need to, to mesh with what your personnel does well currently, especially as the OC is no longer the head coach that's in full control of the roster and, and, and roster building and that kind of stuff. But uh, to your point, it's going to be critical. And obviously, you would like to see this team use more play action, which I think we will see that. Uh, and I, I do wonder, can can they do some of the stuff that they did with Tannehill uh, in, 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 in Tennessee with him under center and then play pass off of that or pass in right. general, uh, you know, uh, uh, play action aside. Can they can they can they have a pass game off of an increase of under center quarterbacking even without play action? Yeah, I think they will. I expect it, even though their shotgun rates have been higher the last two years than what they were in Tennessee. I thought our Clayton Eckert did a great study on 
really nailing down how just different the play action rates were in Atlanta and Pittsburgh, basically Pittsburgh, the least play action team last season in Atlanta, I think they were fourth most play action. And so if you, if you talk about one, just kind of real obvious change that should be coming, you should see a really big boost to play action in Pittsburgh this year. I agree. Uh, I tell you, the more I get into this and then I look back at the small sample size that, 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 that Mason Rudolph uh, had last season to, to, to end last season, I do wonder if he might, uh, I, I wonder if he might be the best option to try to, especially if they're able to, to do some outside zone stuff uh, to, to Smith's like, I do wonder if he might be the best option. Well, I mean, there's a lot of layers too, but I would just say he typically has had more mobile quarterbacks in Tennessee at Tannehill in Atlanta. He did have granted. Okay. He did have Matt Ryan. In 21. But, but Tannehill was over 30. Yeah, but he was a former college receiver. Like he was more athletic. He had like four rushing touchdowns. He was more athletic than Rudolph. And then he had Mariota and Ritter and Heineke and those guys. I mean, Rudolph can move a little bit. He's not a complete statue. Ryan was probably more of a statue than Rudolph was. But I mean, I think it's less about that. It's just kind of more about just general quarterback play, making good decisions, taking care of the football, converting on third and seven, that kind of stuff that it is maybe hyper specific to you know play action and outside zone and kind of marrying things off of that. All right, so back, back, back to the original point there. Uh, I, I, you know, this running game needs to get better, and if it does, you hope to see uh, the passing game. Because look, if they don't get to at least like a six point five, uh, just a net yards per passing attempt stat as a team, uh, you're going to see a lot of what happened last year, right? Uh, trying to win games, you know, nineteen to seventeen. And the only it, way they it get feels to that- like. And the only way they get to that 6.5 number is if their run number is probably like, what, is, what does the run number success have to be to get to a 6.5 adjusting net yards per passing attempt? That's kind um, of the, the Well, I, I just think that we need to be talking about this unit being top six, top seven in, 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 in a, uh, uh, EPA success and run success. Okay. Yeah, that's going to be the key. When you talk about the center position, which may be one of the two areas Pittsburgh really looks to upgrade, you know, you talked about college centers, maybe that looking at outside zone rates wasn't the best way to go about it. You know, the center class seems pretty strong overall in the senior bowl. Like, and we'll have those guys on next week. Um, Jackson Powers Johnson from Oregon got some rave reviews down there. What's your thoughts on some of the centers who would make sense in Pittsburgh? Yeah, I, I y- yes. Okay. <laughs> in other words, uh, man, you look at these top center boy, uh, uh, Jackson Powers Johnson looked like he had a good week, so such a good week that he said, um, he he ran into the tunnel and didn't come back. I don't think. Uh, I think he left Mobile, and and uh, I think he showed enough there in Mobile, according to you know everything we're reading in our guys and and everything like that. And and you watch some of those drills, uh. Uh, from the all 22 and the TV coverage and all like that. I think he more than, than showed enough there. Uh, uh, obviously uh, uh, the West Virginia kid who we talked about, Zach uh, Frazier uh, mm-hmm. is, you know, coming off that leg injury and all like that. But uh, I think you look at his tape and we talked a little bit about him in a previous podcast. I, you know, I think he's a fit as well too. Uh, Van Pran out of Georgia. I mean, one of those three guys, it, 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 it doesn't feel like you can go wrong there at least, this early in the process. Yeah. I heard Dane Brugler 
I think it was him or Jeremiah say that the NFL is not as high on Van Pran Granger as the kind of draft community is. He was hearing third to fifth round grades on him. But I think the two names to watch, as you see there today, and it's early for me and it's early in draft season in general, are Powers Johnson and Zach Frazier. I think Powers Johnson is going to be viewed a bit more highly than Frazier. Um, especially with the senior bowl week where he was able to work and, and Frazier was getting healthy and was there, but didn't participate in you know, full drills and full contact and those elements. Uh, but I think Frazier really feels like a type of dude that's going to work well and be what Arthur Smith is looking for. I, I agree, but I don't think you could go wrong with either one of those two, at least in, in, in this early in the process here uh, for, you know, for sure. And uh, true, you know, goes back to how early do you take one of those guys? You know, uh, you don't, you know, hopefully this team's going to be able to identify three really strong candidates that they like out of this class for, for uh, as someone they can work with. Uh, and then it becomes where, where do you take, you know, where do those guys fit in the positional value? Uh, my, my view on it and, and center is a position that, you tend to see get pushed down some in mm-hmm. drafts anyway, but you know, I don't, if, 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 if either one of those two guys are your guys and it ends up you, you stacking your board and, and, and uh, put a positional value at worst of let's say second round on those guys, you know, if, if that's your guy and you, you kind of question about whether or not he's going to be there on the board in the second round then go get him in the first round. You know, unless you have another position identified of one of those guys that we cannot bypass this guy, regardless of position, because he's going to be a Hall of Famer. You know, uh, mm-hmm. you 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 make you you make it work with, you know, where the talent is, obviously. And, you know, get into that's something we'll talk the rest of this damn offseason about is, you know, where these guys rank on draft boards and too soon, too late, or he won't be there uh, kind of discussions there. Uh, true or false? This team will come out of their first two picks with, 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 with the center. Oh man, that's tough to say so early. Um, I'll, I say I'll true. true. Yeah. I knew uh, you were going to go true. I mean, I, will they come away with two starting offense linemen in this draft period? You, you seem to feel like they will. I'm a little less sure of that. I, I feel like they will because I don't think they're going to go to, I don't feel like they're going to go to free agent route. Okay. I mean, they technically don't have to draft anybody. They could run back their five if they really had oh. a desire to, not that it's the right decision, arguably, but Cole's under contract. They want to keep Jones at right tackle. Theoretically, nothing's stopping you from doing that. Which, which of the two positions is more mandatory tackle or center? I feel it's center. It's tough for me because I really want to move Broderick Jones to left tackle. Do you right. want to, do you want to move him to left tackle? Yeah, I do. And who's your right tackle? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> You know, you get nothing there unless you try to move more over, which does not seem like it's something that anybody wants to have happen, including Dan Moore. So for that reason, I, I lean tackle, um, but I get center, too. And I've harped on that. And Pittsburgh has always had that tradition of great centers. And typically they don't have great teams without great centers. So I get that as well. But I, I really lean back on Frazier, who I think will go a little bit later, second round. I think Howard Johnson might be more to that late first round, maybe in play at 20 kind of guys. Um but when I wrote the report on Frazier before the Arthur Smith hire was made, my comp to him was Ben Jones from Tennessee. 
Mm. And in that clinic, we watched who was the guy that mm. Arthur Smith raved about and said he changed the culture in Tennessee and absolutely loved. It was Ben Jones. And so it just kind of lines up perfectly. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, I think, and you know, I haven't gone, I know we have, a, I think a draft profile up on Van Pran, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, it, at least initially here, what I have watched, it feels like it's going to be one of those three guys. Yeah. I mean, I got to watch more. And sometimes you get guards that end up, they mm-hmm. want to get reps at center. And sometimes these guys get converted. So you never know who might be in that pile there, but Frazier's a name that certainly has been something someone asked me, is he your, your Keanu Benton this year in terms of confidence? He is a stealer and I wouldn't go quite that far, especially this early, even though I had Benton pretty early last year, but he's in that vicinity in terms of like, I feel like this dude is going to be a stealer. All right. Uh, and, and yo, yeah, your gut's been pretty good, <laughs> good lately <laughs> when, when it comes to this stuff. Um, what are the, what are the, two biggest positional needs on the offensive side of the football going into the offseason? Well, aside from deciding about your quarterback situation, well, I don't anticipate uh, the uh, assu- one. Right. Assuming they don't go right. first, second round quarterback, you know, or, or, and deem that as, or, or free agency or whatever, you know, because like it or not, people are going to still write and speculate these talking heads. We're going to, it's, it's going to be Justin, you know, it's going to be fields. It's going to be uh cousins. It's going to be uh, uh, Russell Wilson. You're going to continue mm-hmm. to hear that stuff. I don't, I'm, I'm not buying it yet. I, I think they're going to run it back with, uh, with Pickett and, uh, Mason and or 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 uh, Tannehill, you know they're not going to spend if they do go the free agent route with a quarterback position. Uh, I you know outside of Rudolph, I don't. They're not to me. I don't think they're going to spend a lot of money on it. So that, that you know, and I I really for all the reasons that I've given in previous podcasts about Justin Fields and that fifth year option. I mean Justin Fields has a career adjusted net yards per passing attempt stat you know, under six as well too. And he's already had how many NFL seasons three, you know? Uh, I mean, I like the mobility. I like some of the things he does, but I mean, are, are you going to put that on your, on, on your new OC to, uh, to tie in the wagon to him and, and, mm-hmm. and then what's going to happen to pick it, yada, yada. And all that. it just, it doesn't feel, it feels like it's going to be Pickett and either Rudolph and, or, or some, some other veteran. Yeah, some veteran equivalent, not a, this is our clear starter once we acquire him, right. which would eliminate a Cousins, a Wilson, a Fields, or a high draft pick for a second round type of guy. So I'm with you there. So putting quarterback aside to answer your question, I mean, I think receiver's still a need. It's it's less so, especially at slot receiver, now that we've learned about Arthur Smith and he's 11 personnel usage is as pitiful, or as, I shouldn't say pitiful, but as, as least frequent as, as any NFL team. Um, so I, I mean, I would just go back to center and right tackle then. I Assuming agree that Jones wants to go back to left tackle that they're going to put Jones at left tackle. I wasn't trying to lead you to that water to drink, but I mean, I think that was <laughs> the, that that's the obvious, you know, regard, even before Arthur Smith, you know, w- w- was announced, you know, the, it, it feels like uh, the two main holes on the offensive side of football are center and tackle. Sure. But I would also just to reiterate who's, who's behind Deontay and Pickens on the outside. There's really nothing there. Right. And although slot receivers less of a need, there really isn't a whole lot there, especially assuming that Robinson won't be back under his current contract, but you massive pay cut or just cut him and resign him to a cheap deal. You could, 
Um, I think Kevin Austin is honestly one of the biggest losers of the Arthur Smith hire because the slot role does not really exist that much in the system and they don't run jet sweeps. So what is Calvin Austin's role to this team? Yeah, I, I agree. Now, could this uh, uh, shift to heavier personnel uh, either via free agency or the draft at some point, you know, get a guy that can, you know, you you would hope you already hope that you get a, a super versatile guy anyway. Uh, yeah, I'll tell you this. It won't be a receiver under 5'10". <laughs> Probably not. Although, I mean, he has had some smaller receivers. That's worked. Khalif Raymond in Tennessee. He praised in that clinic. I think Atlanta had. Who was that guy? Never I pronounce his last name. Zaculus. I'm probably saying that completely. Olamide. Whoa. Yeah. Um, he was a smaller guy. But yeah, I mean, you know, he had he likes a big number one target. AJ Brown in Tennessee. Drake London in Atlanta. And, you know, George Pickens, I think, can can be that guy in this offense. You're going to need somebody, I think, via free agency or the draft that, uh, that 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 can give you more as a backup to either the X or or uh, or the role that 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 that, that Pickens is going to play. Sure, I mean that that's certainly possible. Um, and again, Deontay. And that guy, that guy's not Allen Robinson, you know. No, uh, I, I, and, I, and it's not Miles Boykin. You know, if, if Miles Boykin makes his team once again, it's because of 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 of, of special teams. And uh, I mean, I get. I mean, Austin played a lot. I mean, Austin played a lot of, I mean, he, he's obviously going to be on the team, but what would happen if you'd lost a guy like Deontay Johnson? When you say he played a lot, are you saying Austin played a lot of snaps last year? No, I'm talking about, he played uh, a lot of uh, X or Z at, he didn't play a Uh, lot of slot overall at Memphis. Right. He was an outside guy. Yeah. And then moved to the slot and he can play all around. um, But I mean, he's kind of viewed as that slot guy. Uh, in terms of free agents, I'm going to write about this at some point soon. I kind of mentioned this in an article the other day. Watch out for Matt Collins, Falcons free agent, uh, kind of a Boykin type, but but a bit more offer in the passing game, big, physical, special teams guy, blocker. I think Arthur Smith's going to like him a lot. Would not be surprised if he was brought to Pittsburgh. You better write that up after we get off the podcast or it's going to show up all yeah, over the internet. At some point here. Maybe I shouldn't have said that, but. It's out there. And I mentioned this in an article the other day. I think Matt Collins makes sense as a as a Falcons cast off that could come to Pittsburgh on a one, two year deal. All right. Uh, that might be a good option. I haven't I haven't looked at him uh, specifically or his tape and all like that. But there, there are, uh, I mean, that that is another question about this offense. Once you move past center and wide receiver, what is the rest of your depth? Uh, 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 once you get past center and tackle, what does the rest of your depth look like at the wide receiver position? Yeah. So. Any other thoughts here offensively or with Arthur Smith or anything new or anything that you want to do some more research into? Yeah, I just I want to look into, you know, why why that running game didn't have the success in Atlanta for two to three years. So especially last year when you had B. John Robinson um, and now there was some you know criticism for him not being used enough. Uh, We can debate about that. Got an article this morning from a Falcons beat guy who says those concerns were overblown. Robinson. He had a lot of touches. The carries may not have been there, but he got involved in the pass game. How many catches did he have, Bichon have last year or in 2023? It was a good amount of receptions. You know, another pushback in all this will be uh, from from the uh, the people that that don't like uh, the addition of Smith is going to be, well, they uh, his 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 stick got figured out in Tennessee. Right. And the lack of success in Atlanta lends that argument. It, it, it 
it gives credibility to the, I'm not saying it's right, but it does give credibility to that argument. Uh, last year, Robinson had 214 carries for 976 yards and four touchdowns. He caught 58 passes, second on the team in pass receptions, uh, 58 for 487 yards and four touchdowns. Okay, so yeah, their their running backs get involved in the pass game, and so do Pittsburgh's. That's not a big change. Warren was second on the team in receptions this past year in '61. Harris had a bunch as a rookie, so uh, the, the success rate for Robinson was really low, forty three and a half percent. I think that was like forty third out of fifty four players with a hundred plus attempts. So the success rate was was really bad. Uh, Derrick Henry in two thousand and nineteen caught just eighteen passes for two hundred six yards. Uh, who was the running back that they used? Eon uh, Lewis was there. McNichol yeah, Lewis, was there. Lewis caught 25 that year. Uh, and just off the cuff, hopefully you haven't looked at this, off the cuff, how many catches did Derrick Henry have in 2020? Not many because he wasn't using a lot of obvious pass down situations. I will say 17. 19. Good, 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 okay. good, 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 uh, guess here. McNichols that year had 12. Uh, don't see, I mean, uh, Deontay Foreman, uh, had one or what's his first name? It's Deontay Foreman. I know you're talking about. All right. Um, uh, but anyway, I would expect Najee to have more than 20 receptions. Uh, yeah, he should. And we all see what what war uh, what Jalen Warren can do. All right. Uh, well, one other just kind of quickly. I mean, just one other quick note here offensively at running back. You know, they're a committee approach team, right, Dave? I mean, this is a one A one B situation in Pittsburgh, correct? Oh yeah, I would like to, especially the way uh, Art Rooney framed framed that several times. A two headed monster. My point is, what if one of those guys gets hurt? Now you're just down to one. Do you want to find a third running back? because you don't want to lose that two-headed approach if one of those guys, because both of them have been remarkably healthy, like a crazy, crazy good luck and good whatever it is, conditioning, taking care of themselves. But how much longer can that, quote-unquote, I'm not, I'm not spinning a draft pick on it. I mean, I uh, go via free agency, maybe bring That's one okay. in. Uh, maybe who, who – is there anybody uh, – uh, anybody coming up, you know, be, be a free agent from Atlanta? Uh, you know, somebody's got somewhere so. in the email. Well, Godwin was in Atlanta with Arthur, right? Who? Godwin Iguabuka. Yeah, okay, yeah. In good, Atlanta good, with, with Arthur Smith. Good point. Someone somewhere in the emails here wants us to look at the uh, Atlanta free agents. I did look there. That's why I came up with the Matt Collins idea because okay. I was looking through. Their list is not super impressive. Um, I, I don't remember I'll, all the names. I'll, I'll, I'll read off. Yeah, I'll read off the names here. Uh, Cordell Patterson, uh, his contract voids. Now he is 33. Mm -hmm. uh, I have come full circle on Cordell Patterson <laughs> uh, over the years. Boy, I was raw. You know, I thought uh, I thought the the uh, the playbook needed to be right, written in, in 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 crayon was my initial hot take for him uh, coming out. And here he is, 33 years old, still making plays. Uh, in, in offensive around the league. I'm not suggesting they go that route. I'm just I'm naming these guys off. If you want to look at uh, uh, offensive players specifically here, uh, Cordero Hodge, wide receiver, is going to be uh, an unrestricted guy. 
Uh, do they have any Scotty Miller's going to be unrestricted? Don't look like they have any running backs that are going to be unrestricted there. I mean, that makes sense. You got young guys, uh, Robinson, Patterson. Algier. I mean, yeah, and Patterson was kind of phased out, obviously, once mm. um, you know Robinson got added. So, yeah, I mean, their their list, from my recollection, is not super strong, but I think Matt Collins is the name that, that fits. Okay. Uh, back to your question about running back. My answer to that is get you about four or five undrafted guys in mm-hmm. there. Okay, I'm just saying, I mean, you know, one of those guys goes down, you only got one guy, you know, you can – you can make it work, but it's not what Pittsburgh's trying to, to become. Look, if one of them goes down, the other one's going to have to increase the load. You know? Oh, yeah, obviously. But, you know, do you want to wear that guy down? I mean, because you really like the yin and yang and the rest that you get. And there's a big benefit from this committee approach. Warren on third downs. I'm just saying, you know, because right now, who's your third string running back in Pittsburgh? I mean, you could go across the NFL, though, and have this conversation, though, Alex. I mean, are, yeah, you, but- are, you, are you three deep enough at, at every position? You know, sure. But you, I mean, you are a run oriented team, like your run game right. is your bread and butter. So it becomes more important in Pittsburgh to think about your running back depth than it does in a pass happier offense with an established, because we just talked about how important the run game success is like for the pass game to work, the run game has to be successful. So you got to do everything in your power to make sure this run game works and you have a good backup plan because the running back getting hurt, you got to anticipate that may happen. That's not like a you know, your franchise quarterback goes down. How do you plan for that? It was really no good solution to do that. But running back getting hurt, I mean, that, that's a thing that easily could happen. All right. And if you and and uh, I'm going to boil it back down to a conversation nobody likes to have uh, except you and I, your third running back on this team behind Najee uh, Harris and Jalen Warren is going to have to do what? Play special teams. Uh-huh. So that, that's got to be mixed in to the conversation here. Yeah. My point is not to say, like, draft a running back early – Certainly not, but I'm just thinking oh, about God, okay. I, I'm going to go through the roof. <laughs> I'm just saying is you want to probably as deep, be as deep as possible at running back because, you know, you lose one of those guys and your whole vision, how your offense looks changes pretty dramatically. I'm, I mean, look at the, look at the cheap unrestricted. My, my, my answer to that, Alex, would be look at the unrestricted free agents out there, the cheap ones uh, that, that, that place with special teams, and then – have a handful of be brought in as undrafted free agents. I'm going to go through the roof of this team drafts a running back this year. I think it's possible they draft one late on day three, sixth or seventh round. I would not be surprised one bit if they did that. Okay. All right. Uh, what else do we have here, Dave? We're kind of we've made good time so far. We're over an hour into this thing. Any other thoughts? Uh, any other Senior Bowl, Shrine Bowl, Shrine Bowl game was last night. Frank Gore Jr. looking pretty strong. Any thoughts from uh, the All Star games? I tell you, Frank, uh, he's he's undersized, but that, <laughs> that that guy can that guy can slam it up in there. Now, the, well, you know, I think there were some blown gap assignments and all like that. But you just look at him and his and his and his pedigree and his size and where he's likely uh, to go in this year's draft. I mean, that guy's going to make some plays in the NFL for some team. Pittsburgh gloves, their their DNA, their bloodline. So. I'm, I'm not suggesting that that that's a route that to go, but I mean, he, he you know, it's hard to ignore. Uh, play played, uh, you know, uh, had a successful college career, has a pedigree, uh, can can get down the field and can do a lot of things for you. But anyway, uh, moving past that, uh, it's funny how these things work as we start getting into learning more about these you know, senior bowl and shrine bowl guys. And, you know, it's going to continue to be a process here, but after late last night, going through some of this, uh, 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 senior bowl tape and all like that, 
I thought I was going to, I knew better than to think I was going to surprise you with a name in in our discord channel there, but uh, somebody that did jump off uh, the, the, the tape there that I went and watched a little bit of uh, uh, game tape on uh, Gabe Hall out of Baylor. Yeah, it was um, my first draft. Long story short, I did not surprise Alex with that name. Well, I mean, you would have uh, an hour or two earlier because I was just kind of throwing down some names for my first mock draft, which will come out Monday, which will be a very rough you know, first crack at it. But I you know, like to do one kind of before the combine starts off. And I was looking at potential. You know, we talk about defensive line need and potential five techs and guys that have the frame. And Hall had the frame and some moderate production at Baylor that made it interesting. And then he had a good game and it's getting the buzz and you talk about him. So I'm going to watch him. By Monday, you probably you've watched more of him than, than I have. Not what's, not what's much more, your... but uh, I mean, I watched. I mean, the, the, I watched the Senior Bowl cutups and uh, a little bit of his 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 Baylor tape there. Uh, a, a just from a, a a size standpoint, the way he moves. I mean, he he is a fit. Uh, what set, is the weigh in on him? Uh, it, it fits. I just want to get the yeah. numbers for people who aren't familiar with. I mean, it's it's to a T from a height, weight, length standpoint. What you look for, I don't know exactly his his entire uh, body type and makeup. The way that Darius Robinson didn't look quite the part that we expected whenever we we got into his tape. And boy, you look at uh, Robinson just uh, the way he showed up at the Senior Bowl and the way he moves and all like that. Uh, man, he's a lot he's a lot thinner than what I. What 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 you know? I I, I was expecting a lot yeah. lighter overall. Like, to me, the the more I watch of him, the less I think he's going to be a fit for 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 the Steelers. And sure. man, I think some people got him going second or third round. You know, I have uh, even heard first round, but I don't know how much of that is just kind of senior bowl. I mean, I, I think he's strong. I think he's like a really powerful dude. But yeah, the body type may not be as attractive as we once thought. All right, Gabe Hall measured in at the Senior Bowl, six oh five and three quarters. I'm already going to need a hot shower, a cold shower. 290 pounds, 34 and three eighths inch arms and nine and three eighths inch hands, 84 inch wingspan uh, uh, with him. And uh, to me, the cut ups of the senior bowl and the one on ones, he looked he looked quicker in those drills than the, the, the small amount of game tape that I saw. However, comma. W- when you turn on his 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 tape, uh, heavy uh, arm and hand usage in there, and the ability to uh, to fight through and, and push the pocket and all like that. I like the way he uh, he anchors in the limited tape that I saw against the run. Like I like the way he chases and runs after the football. His get off the 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 big question, the thing that I want to see. Uh, and, and all this is, is TV tape, by the way, I haven't, I haven't gotten into, uh, 22 views of him yet other than the senior bowl practice stuff there. Uh, his get off is a little bit questionable that I want to, I want to, I want to take a deeper dive into that or, or have you take a deeper dive into that, uh, his get off. I, I, I kind of question, uh, overall and just, you know, how, how, you know, overall what he looks like from an all 22 view here. Yeah, so I'll work on that this weekend. Want to learn some more, but could be some some box checking that makes you want to watch the tape and see how it matches and how it might fit. I mean, just off and and I didn't even touch this guy until yesterday. Okay, so that that's how deep I am am, am into him. 
Uh, what, what do you like to put out on Twitter? Gabe Hall, you are a stealer. It, it, mm-hmm. What you said about Frazier here mm-hmm. the last couple of days here out of, out of West Virginia here, uh, they're going to like him. They are going to like him. They're, they're probably going to show up at uh, – somebody going to probably show up at his Baylor Pro Day. Yeah, see if Carl Dunbar maybe goes down there, takes a trip. Uh, usually, you know, he was at – usually when he's at a pro day, they're going to take a guy from there. He doesn't make a ton of trips. He's at the uh, uh, A&M Pro Day for Leal. So we'll see. Uh, do you think you're going to have him uh, – is, 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 uh, is he done yet? Do you have his profile done yet? No, I've not even started. But <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, jo- I, I, I'm joking there. Oh, okay. yeah. Is it is it done yet? Is it done yet? Like a mm-hmm. six year old kid, child. Yeah, uh, yeah are we there yet? Uh, I, I'm very interested in, in diving deeper into him. Yeah. Now, again, projections are very early in this process. I use mock draft database, which kind of aggregates uh, mock drafts to get some sort of feel for where he's being ranked and they kind of viewed him as a later day three pick but i think he could go a bit higher for the body type the scarcity of it so and if he has a good pre-jack process like it seems like he's having right now so maybe a middle round type of guys might feel for him early in this process all right uh so he's somebody that uh, really is the next hot name on my list to learn more about and I'll have a report on him in my mock draft on Monday for us to talk about for Monday's show. And we'll get a full recap from uh, uh, Jonathan Hightrader and Ross McCorkle when we have them on a round, mm-hmm. round table maybe next week. For sure. All right, Dave, anything else to talk about? Are you want to get to some reader emails? Or actually, before we do that, we got to hear from our friends at my bookie. But any other Steelers-related topics, anything else you wanted to get into first? No, I think we covered a lot. I mean, there wasn't, we were, it's amazing we were able to stretch out what we were able to stretch out today there. But uh, I think we hit most of it. So I guess we should get to some, if I can find it here, the uh, the my bookie stuff. Right. So we'll, I guess, talk about the Pro Bowl game. That's the one football thing this weekend. Miles Killebrew bringing home a win mm. for the AFC. And that, that those, those watching those Steelers punt return challenges in training camp paying off for Miles Killebrew. It was the same competition in the Pro Bowl games last night. He won it for the AFC catching six football. So kudos to Miles Killebrew. Absolutely. All right. Uh, new year, new ways to win. Gear up, sports fans. The NFL playoffs are here. And with the Super Bowl now just right around the corner, there's never been a better time to get in on the action with my bookie. Don't just watch. Score big with exclusive boosted odds and huge prize contests that will have you filling the Super Bowl fever before it even hits. Whether you're a seasoned pro or ready to roll for the first time, my bookie is your ticket to turning your sports knowledge into to cold hard cash my bookie has the largest online lineup of odds contests and vegas style casino games making it your ultimate destination for all type of fun 24 7 right at your fingertips if you've been waiting for the right time to get in on the action the wait is now over make your winning move today and sign up at my bookie use our promo code terrible to claim your deposit up to one thousand dollars that's right Promo code TERRIBLE for an opportunity to boost your betting power. Experience the thrill of sports betting right from the comfort of your own home. Because with my bookie, you can bet anything, anytime, anywhere. And to get there, obviously, you go to mybookie.ag. So even though the Super Bowl is not rolling, uh, rolling this weekend, there's plenty of other things to bet on. And we hope you choose my bookie as your source to do so. 
All right, Dave, let's get to some reader emails and close out today's show. All right. We might be a little bit backlogged here. Let's start here with uh, uh, Brandon Hatcher writes in. I noticed Marcel Pasteur's IG account. He is looking for a job in the Pittsburgh area in medical sales pharmaceutical, fitness sales, strength job, etc. Sounds like the Steeders parted ways with him. Uh, Brandon, we, uh, that's, that's a little bit of old news at this point. Uh, he, 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 uh, posted on, uh, what's a LinkedIn account and all like that. And yeah, uh, uh, Marcel and the Steelers have, uh, parted ways there. So, uh, wish him the best of luck there. Uh, let's see. Clayton writes in, just want to say, I really enjoyed the episode and really prefer to, uh, he's talking about the, uh, one, uh, the, uh, the, uh, January 31st podcast really enjoyed the episode, really prefer, prefer the longer form conversations you guys have. And if you guys are worried about getting into the weeds, sometimes you can always consider a separate long form segment show on a specific topic position, etc. each week, not to ask you guys to do more work as I'm sure you already quite busy just a suggestion uh blah 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 to get into the finer minutiae and all like that look uh there it's always a struggle appreciate the email clayton on that you know how long is too long and and because we we do alex and i do have a unique format and we don't sit here before every show and I mean, we loosely kind of cover five minutes before we get on a show uh what we want to cover and you know is it going to be long enough? Is it going to be too long? But, you know, sometimes our, our worries, we just like to talk, you know, me, me specifically, uh, mm. uh, 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 sometimes too much here, but, uh, yeah, I don't think we're going to add an extra show or anything like that, but there is always the kind of the balance, you know, we hear from a lot of people says no shows too long. And then sometimes in the YouTube comment saying, man, you guys got to, get these things down to 40, 45 minutes. You know, my, my thought is at this point is it's as long as it needs to be every show. So, you know, we hope you enjoy it. We understand not everybody enjoys the two hour shows. A lot of people uh, like them longer than 35 minutes. So it, it, it's, it's always a, a challenge of finding the right balance there, but we appreciate the email. Uh, Bryce writes in uh, new OC landing in Pittsburgh. Some questions. If Smith wants to run his patented zone runs, then like you said, Dave, they better adjust, move 77 back to the left side, bring in a solid right tackle, probably through free agency, he says, and draft a better center. If you do that, then run zone till the cows come home. Until then, they better adjust and keep the running gap power schemes who are the best free agent right tackles. Uh, we'll get into that more as we get into the off season here. Uh, I think the mo most interesting thing here is, um, uh, you know, it, 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 is he going to come in and say, say it's going to be wide outside zone predominantly regardless, you know, we, we hope, and, and it's not going to be that way. We just wonder how much can he adapt his gap, these, these gap man, uh, 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 runs if that deems the best the personnel can do. Yeah, I mean, not, there's not much really more to probably say until we actually hear from Arthur Smith and start seeing this thing in action. Again, there's going to be a blend. It's going to be a heavier use of wide zone. How effective will they be? What will be that exact split in terms of wide zone? How much gap will they run? Those are important and outstanding questions. Um, 
Only other thing I would say is, you know, I don't know who the top right tackles are. And yes, left tackles get paid more in free agency than right tackles, but right tackles are still not cheap. There is a tax to be paid. There's a scarcity of those guys in free agency. And so that's why I kind of lean towards the draft being the better option because, you know, you're paying more, you're getting an older guy. And it's just typically not a great way for me to try to build my rosters, paying a bunch of money to a maybe 29 year old right tackle in free agency. His other part here is uh, should the Steelers keep an eye on Chris Boswell's age and have a kicker ready in case this is the year he falls off, man, the way Boz kicked this past year, you know, uh, you don't worry. I mean, obviously you want to have, have a roll decks of guys that maybe you can call and all like that, but uh, uh, we're not going to be uh, uh, Bryce. We're not going to be talking a lot about kickers this off season. I hate to disappoint you. <laughs> no, I don't know how you have a kicker on the ready too. I don't know what that looks like. Um, also, just just random aside here, Dave, that, that makes our shows two hours long. A very important note here to pass along to you, Dave. I just noticed this earlier today. Uh, Steelers Depot is tucked in the Aliens page on Reddit. There's a, there's a link to uh, uh, our site on the Aliens Reddit thread. Somebody posted, and apparently you had written about this. Oh, when was this, Dave? This had been oh, a while Lord. ago. This was in June of 2011 about UFOs over Three River Stadium in 1979. Um, I don't even remember that. (laughs) It was solved. I don't know. There's there's some reference to us. So we are featured, not well, or at least mentioned and referenced on the uh, aliens thread on Reddit. So congratulations. UFO Depot. UFO Depot. They're out Uh, there. uh, One of my favorite all time bands, UFO, as well, too. Uh, I think I did know about that. You you won't, you won't, you know, uh, the older folks will probably uh, know what I'm talking about there. Uh, Dr. Doctor is one of the key songs. Schreckner was uh, part of that, the guitarist and all. But anyway, uh, Travis Pick writes in the Kevin Dotson parable. Uh, the Artie Smith podcast was great. 90% information, 10% personal opinion. Not, uh, not, not a, not word for word, but Dave saying this is where we are and nothing we say is changing the higher is a very healthy way of looking at this. Look, I mean, uh, uh, first and foremost, we could sit here and lamb, lamb, Lamb blast the decision. And, uh, I, you know, I think Alex asked me point blank, you know, do I, do I think it should have been a more expansive search? I, my answer is yes. But, but at, at the point, I mean, this is, you know, obviously the Steelers haven't announced this yet, but this is the hire. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm fine with people saying this is the worst hire ever. I am fine with people saying Super Bowl for the Steelers. I, whatever, you know, I'm fine with whatever initial off the cuff uh, uh, opinion you have about this. I would ask that you kind of back up your reason why you think that might might be instead of just hot taking it there. But I I can listen to anything eight months before uh, the season comes when it comes to hirings and, and stuff like this. But the fact of the matter is, is we've got to get past the decision and start analyzing what we think it may or may not be and what needs to improve. And hopefully we've, 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 we've done a good job of that so far. It's not the end of it. There's, there's, and Alex's post just went off the charts the other day. Uh, not enough can, can, uh, can be said about the big book on Arthur Smith post that, that Alex did. But I think even Alex will tell you right now, and I will definitely tell you uh, there is a lot that I don't know about Arthur Smith right now, especially when it comes to the Atlanta Falcons years. 
what got him fired, you know? Sure. Uh, and that's something that we will try to focus on more of when we move through the off season here. So, uh, neither one of us are sitting here going to throw a parade. Neither one of us are going to start the fire, fire Arthur, uh, chance mm-hmm. at, at, at the hockey games or anything like that. But, you know, at some point we got to move past the decision and get it, getting into breaking down what we might see, what we won't see and all like that. Anyway, he goes on to write all the noise complaining, etc. Isn't changing the direction the bus is going. So why be miserable? That's a good point. There he is. Why focus on Artie Smith as a head coach? He says, Dick LeBeau was 12 and 33 as a head coach. That's a, uh, Hey, that that's a good way of looking at things. So, and, and it makes you wonder how much with the day-to-day duties, some guys just aren't great head coaches, right? Sure. I mean, he ran the offense, but he had a bunch more on his plate. So that's the, you know, the hope you can go back to when he's in Tennessee and he's kind of just the OC and not focused on all of this big picture stuff and media stuff and staff stuff and, you know, whole roster building, all that kind of, kind of elements to it. And he'll hopefully become and be a better you know, OC because of it. So that's, I think, the calculation Pittsburgh is making. All right. Uh, I think the, the, the jux of Travis's uh, question here, though, is so my question is, do you guys think that Broderick Jones must move back to left tackle? He says we moved Kevin Dotson to left guard and maybe the system hurt, too. But taking him off his side had to be a factor. Now he's back at right guard in uh, L.A. with the Rams. And like Alex reported back in October, PFF had him uh, as the fourth best offensive lineman in the league. Uh, look, it uh, throw the PFF grades uh, aside. What I watched of of Kevin Dotson uh, with the Rams, good on him, brother. You know, mm-hmm. uh, he looked impressive at at, at at right guard. What I saw with him uh, with the Rams. Uh, the question goes, Alex, uh, Bro- Broderick Jones must move back to left tackle. Yeah, must is a strong word. Um... I would really, really, really greatly prefer it for Broderick Jones to go back to left tackle for a bunch of reasons, but maybe primarily Pittsburgh has had this issue, this misevaluation, arguably, of of take drafting guys and then immediately putting them in positions they didn't play in college, which really muddies up the evaluation and and, and hurts the players. So I think you got to do everything in your power to go into left tackle in 2024. Uh, Travis adds, thanks for all you do. Deep dive on Artie uh, was fantastic. Keep up the great work. And he ends with these pretzels are making me thirsty. So uh, <laughs> I guess he got the uh, Seinfeld re- reference there. Uh, ODG Dorkman writes in, uh, he's known as Steeler Dan. Uh, I thought the show was great. Uh, I did not like the Smith hire, but after listening to the show, I think I understand it better. Well, man, we uh, we accomplished our goal. If 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 that's what he's opening his uh, his his email with there, uh, this will be like the third or fourth time they tried the zone blocking scheme, and I think it will not last that long. He says. I think my biggest takeaway from the show was the Steelers are going to try and win with defense and running the ball. The Steelers are going to draft and pay their players differently than other teams. He writes, get out of that rat race. He says, at least the Steelers are all in. Uh, Dave seems to worry a lot about the length of the show. The shows are the highlight of my week and never long enough. Uh, Lord, uh, it's good to hear that. Uh, what do you, what are you, some of your other thoughts there about uh, the, the Steelers are going to try to win with defense and running the ball? Yeah, not a shock. That's what they've been trying to do. 
for a little while now. Um, that's their identity. They want to keep the score down. They want to control time of possession. That's how they won the last two years. That's how they had their seven and two finish in 2022. It's how they won down the stretch in 2023. So no secret. Pittsburgh is not hiding who they want to be. Um, and hopefully they can just, they, they have their identity. They have the vision of what they want to be. Can they find that sooner is the question. They weren't, they weren't that the first half of, of, 2023 and of course in that three game losing streak they were not either so uh they just have to start hit they have to hit, hit the ground running they have to get off the faster starts they have not done that the last two seasons and once again about arthur smith uh dan uh look uh, out of the shoot there our goal wasn't to sell or diminish uh the arthur smith hiring uh uh and I think what was really needed was a conversation of why uh, to, to understand why he was the hire and then follow it up with uh, how many words was that post on the big book on Arthur Smith, man, uh, over 5,000, uh, over, over 9,000. That's impossible. Uh, uh, but uh, see, I can, I can show my whippersnapper side. Yeah. But if I ask you, Anything else about Dragon Ball Z, you would have no idea. Like, no. You have no idea. You even know who I, Vegeta is, the guy that says that. No. 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 What 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 position did he play? <laughs> uh, where do you go in the draft? Uh, yeah, I mean, look, uh, that, that's what we tried to do coming out of that show the other day. Thanks for the email. Uh, Taylor Carpenter. Here's the one uh, that I was referencing early. Uh, he lives in Athens, Ohio. Uh, seems like a lot of times when, when there is a new outside OC hire, we see a player also sign from the team that the coach departed from. I believe this happened with Todd Haley and the Steelers signing Leonard Pope. Remember the old Leonard Pope signing? Mm. Uh, that's a, that's a good, uh, pull by Taylor there. Uh, seems like the new, did he also bring in who was a running back? Uh, who was this? This was Haley? Uh, uh, with Haley, the, uh, 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 there was a Kansas running city. No, uh, from uh, that had the running. He got he got hurt, uh, injured right. his knee in the preseason. There, oh, this is going to kill me. Uh, you'll know it as soon as I remember the name. He never played in the regular season game. You're saying uh, Cardinals Haley running back Steelers. What was his name? Yeah. Oh, it's drawing a blank. It, it's going to kill me. Oh, you're going to find it an hour from now and yeah. send it in the group chat. And... I, it should be rolling right off off the off the tip of this. Is, the Rod gonna... Stevens Howling? Uh, yes, yes, yes. Go. Yes, you win. <laughs> All uh, right. Didn't he come from the uh, Cardinals? I think that sounds about right. He was a, is he a Slippery Rock kid. Or am I thinking of someone? local tie to him at all here we go no he went to pit that's what it was he went to pit yeah he's with the cardinals yep you're right um Uh, all right so uh anyway his preference here seems like the new coordinator likes to bring in someone uh familiar with the system can you guys take a minute and roll through the atlanta tennessee free agents on offense that that you can see the Steelers possibly signing this offseason i know you guys already talked about Tannehill, but i was curious of what other names uh, you might come up with that that might be a fit. Uh, talk a little bit more about Mac, because I, I I haven't gone down that rabbit hole. Yeah, I mean I got to do some more research, Sean, and I just I was literally doing what a couple of readers suggested and the other day, and just kind of looked at some Falcons free agents just to kind of see who the list was. Matt Collins, big guys like I don't know six three, six four, two hundred twenty plus pounds, long strider. Uh, played a lot for the Raiders two years ago. He's never been a great receiver, but kind of a vertical threat blocker. I mean, he's very similar to Miles Boykin, like big body dude blocker, special teams value, great gunner, probably a bit more offensive value in terms of him, you know, I think being a better deep threat than what Boykin's become in Pittsburgh. So 
Um, he's older. He's I think 30, 31. So that's a bit of an age concern, but just high effort dude, a uh, guy that knows, knows Smith in the system. So that just kind of made sense from that standpoint. Looks like uh, last year, 78 slots or 78 snaps in the slot, uh, 246 snaps uh, out wide uh, from, from, from last season, 2020 uh, with him uh, in the slot, 146 snaps out wide, 869 uh, obviously has some special team snaps scattered, uh, scattered in there. 2021 uh, with Mac. Uh, where was he in? Well, he was only in Atlanta in 23. Okay. The only year with Arthur Smith. The other years he was in Vegas and Miami. So those okay. matter less from the Arthur Smith standpoint, but the, the body of work you can still look at. All right. Real quick with the, uh, I mean, it's been so long since he's been in Tennessee. I mean, what value? Yeah. Uh, somebody had mentioned Aaron Brewer, who's a free agent, who Smith talked up in that clinic when he think he was an undrafted rookie free agent then or a young guy. Um, Aaron Brewer, I don't know if there's a – he's kind of been, I think, more of a guard than a center. I'd have to do some homework on him, and you have Herbig here and all that, so I don't know if it's actually going to happen. But, yeah, I mean, that, that probably not many Titans guys because half of them are gone now, I'm sure. Most of them are gone. Yeah, I'm trying to look at some of their uh, – Corey Levin wasn't there, a center. He's an unrestricted that, – that feels like a new name. Uh, uh, doesn't seem like there was much of anybody offensively. Aaron Brewer, you, you mentioned uh, – Brewer mentioned? actually played a bunch of center this year. I, I, I thought he was playing more guard. He was their starting center, so – that's a name to look out for. All right. Uh, so not not much there overall if we roll back through the uh, through the uh, Titans free agents because it's been so long ago there. Let's see if I can pull. Uh, Jeff Berg. Uh, hello, fellas. I was wondering, and I realize this may require some research, what style running game did both Najee and Jalen run in college? Did both of them run a mostly zone run scheme or something different? I'm wondering this due to the Arthur Smith hire is a component of the hire that, that is run game style matches, blah, blah, blah. Best suits are running backs. Look, I, I think all you have to do is just roll back to what, 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 what these two have run in Pittsburgh, which is pretty much everything. Now, is there one specific style that you can, uh, point to Alex when it comes to I, I don't think it's important to roll back now with Najee and Warren to their college days mm-hmm. with with running style. What can you point to as maybe these last couple of years in in Pittsburgh as far as running style that that that, that best fits fits these? I I, yeah, I think we're too fat far past the college years to to worry about scheme. Yeah, it'd be a really good study maybe for you or somebody or Clayton to do to kind of look at how many runs of each type. They've, they've had the last two years. Uh, they have been very varied. You know, I, I think conventionally Harris a bit better gap power downhill. I think Warren can kind of run in anything, but I think he's maybe a bit more proficient in, as a zone, as a zone runner. I, somebody had sent me some stats. Maybe we'd even written about it at some point that, that Harris got good marks as a zone runner. I wonder how much that is inside zone though, and not the wide zone type stuff because uh, there is a difference there. So um, they, they both, you know, can run kind of anything. I don't know if they're, I don't know if Harris is as strong as a wide zone runner. Um, you know, I think just intuitively, probably not. But as you said, this run game has done maybe too much. Maybe they've almost been too varied. They've kind of done every kind of, I mean, what, what concept have they not run okay, <laughs> the last two years? I couldn't tell you. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Cause they have varied it up uh, quite a bit. Uh, oh, oh, Inside yeah. zone duo outside zone. 
uh, Wham, uh, Toss, Soro Toss, Crack Toss. Uh, they run everything. Mm-hmm. All right. Matthew writes in, I love the show. And while I wish we were still in the dance, he says, I can't lie. I do love draft, draft, draft season. He says, I saw Josh Carney's report where Edger and Cooper uh, stated the Steelers are very interested. He says, I too am very interested. Curious to know where he fits in terms of what the Steelers look for uh, studies. Boy, that, what a great part of the offseason that is, uh, Matt. And I, I can't wait to to get to that. Unfortunately, I think we're that comes well after the combine. In fact, that comes more right before the draft, doesn't it? The what the Steelers yeah. look for uh, series. And if you think off-ball linebacker would be addressed in, let's say, the top three rounds of the draft, considering other areas of need we have uh, i feel despite decent play from this room as a whole this year we have lacked true difference maker at the uh, at that uh, at at that level of the defense since the unfortunate injury to mr shazier also we have a plethora of question marks at the position due to injuries and dave's favorite contractual situations uh cooper has flashed the potential to be that guy at the position and teams like baltimore with roquan smith and patrick queen and san fran with fred warner have shown just how integral high level inside linebacker play can be in a top defense curious to know your thoughts i i don't have a lot of thoughts on cooper uh yet uh, Alex, do you, and if not, I'm sure we're going to get a lot of those when we have, uh, these round tables here next week, hopefully. Yeah. I know Josh is going to have the report on Cooper and he talked him up some, I've not watched him. So I really couldn't give you an insight right. there. I, I'm with you on the desire for a long-term option at inside linebacker. I just think given the other needs and given that you do have Holcomb coming back and Roberts coming back and Robinson in year three, this may not be the year to do it, but I get the principle of the idea in the comment. Uh, look, I would like to see this inside linebacker dr- uh, uh, position uh, addressed, you know, in the first four picks, if possible. Yeah, maybe, but you got all those other needs. We talk about yeah. center, tackle, D line, corner, safety, receiver. You know, it's it's a lengthy it list. Fill, it fills up quick uh, for 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 sure here. Uh, Chris Cordova takes a uh, has some same old crap with Smith. He says, "Hey guys, not how I wanted to start my Wednesday. This came in on Wednesday. There was no reason to rush this decision. Uh, I doubt there were teams lined up to hire Smith." He writes. Uh, maybe you have something to say about that, Alex. I really wanted them to talk with Clay with Clay Kubiak. He writes. Now there's two Kubiaks, right? There's a Clint and a Clay, right? Where is Clay at? Uh, and he also with uh, any uh, with any uh, uh, pass uh, any is he with the 49ers? Yeah, he's with the, yeah, he's he the assistant quarterbacks coach. Okay, interesting. Uh, he says, I feel like the trend with this team is to hire guys on staff or roster based on a good season or seasons people had in the past. He writes like in 2019, seems like it was so long ago because it was basically getting guys that are beyond their prime, not to mention what the stat line looked like for the wide receivers and tight ends in Atlanta. He says he is not happy about this move. I guess only time will tell. Keep up the good work, fellas. Uh, first and foremost, it sounds like uh, Arthur Smith had some suitors. Yeah, I should have mentioned that. That was kind of the one piece of news that came up since we last spoke, uh, according to Albert Breer, that uh, Smith had gotten calls from, I think, six or seven teams about interest in either being an EOC or an assistant in some capacity. And Mike Tomlin convinced Smith, who was in the Maldives at the time on vacation, 
to come to Pittsburgh first. And he had scheduled on Tuesday, Smith did an interview with the Buccaneers to be their OC. And Tomlin did not and uh, did not let that happen in the sense that they got a, an agreement made to, to hire Smith to the three-year deal to, to uh, become Pittsburgh's OC. So we know he was going to go to Tampa Bay had he not agreed to that deal in Pittsburgh. And so actually there were – that may be the reason why this kind of thing wrapped up pretty quickly because if they really like Smith, then they didn't want to lose him to another team or give him the chance to even talk to somewhere else and maybe also offer him some more money because I don't know if Pittsburgh is going to be at the top of the – market in terms of how they're going to pay OC. So uh, there was actually apparently some considerable interest for Arthur Smith. Maltese, that's where you're going on vacation this year, right? Yeah, me and all my friends. Uh, uh, Dave, we go, we going together? Uh, pro- pro- probably not. Uh, Ryan uh, writes in, hey, Dave and Alex, should it be worrisome that Arthur Smith and the Falcons offense last year was unable to elevate the play of Kyle Pitts. He says who on paper should be one of the league's best tight ends overall looking forward to this new Steelers hire and hoping to unlock some of the untapped potential that all of us Steelers uh, fans see the team has looking forward to all your great draft content. Ryan writes, uh, look, I, uh, not, you know, not just pits. I mean, we, we need to deeper dive into what happened in Atlanta, plain and simple. Uh, We're not going to pretend to know everything uh, so far out of the shoot with, with what happened in Atlanta. I'll tell you what though. Quarterback play was very uninspiring there for, 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 for starters. Uh, We talked about the run game being bad in two of those three years. Why, you know, uh, is the lump of clay that they had with quarterback just beyond uh, being able to, to be developed, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, how much did quarterback play have to have, have to do with the running game, not being successful. We're teams saying, we're not worried about the quarterback. We're going to stack the box and we, we know you're going to, you know, the, the, all those things need to be looked at there. So I don't think you can just look at Kyle Pitts, even though Kyle Pitts had, you know, what did what did Pitts have last season? Did we already go over yeah, this? The, it was the two years ago was the real concern. Last year the numbers were fifty three for six sixty seven and three TDs. I know one of those t- TDs I went looked looked at after uh, Clayton's report on play action. They came on uh, play action uh, uh, Ritter to Pitts in week eleven against the Buccaneers. I think that was a nicely schemed up uh, play there. But fifty three for six sixty seven and three touchdowns last season for Pitts. Uh, the year before that, just twenty eight catches, three hundred fifty six yards uh, for for two touchdowns there. Yeah, how many games did he play two years ago? Was there an injury at all? His numbers are obviously just, I know two years ago it was crazy how little he was utilized. He had played in only 10 games. So those numbers are 28 receptions for disclosure, uh, right. were in, but still 2.8 receptions per game is not acceptable. The more that I've read and listened, I think Jeremy Pike has a really good article coming today uh, on the tight end usage in, in Atlanta. I felt less concerned about I did too. misuse of Pitts or Robinson. Um, I think maybe some red zone issues to still discuss, but maybe less so overall. But the concern is just the lack of success, especially with their ground game, just just broadly speaking in Atlanta. Why was their fun game? You know, maybe he didn't he didn't expect it to be as good as as Tennessee and have, you know, rush for two thousand yards from from a single dude, but you know, you can get your run game to be consistently like even average or above average and with Robinson in twenty twenty three, and that's a, a, a big red flag to me. 
All right. Uh, we've gotten through a good chunk of these uh, reader emails here. We'll address more next week as they come in and hope to have a couple of round uh, draft round tables coming or, you know, specific to the Shrine Bowl and the Senior Bowl next week. So uh, we'll try to get those scheduled and and start talking about some draft prospects about that time to, go, go, to, to get deeper into that. Uh, we'll talk about maybe some more things that we uncovered. Uh, we're talking about Arthur Smith and all like that. So it should be a, a busy podcast week next week. Uh, in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter slash X at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex Kazora at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the donate button. Also, if you like an ad free version, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the uh, ad free button. I do have the links up in the navigational bar. Uh, now that you should be on the drop down uh, uh, menu under draft info that links to like the senior bowl and the shrine bowl measurements for easy access there. I will work on getting a uh, link in there to uh, a master page of all the draft profiles. So that'll be easy to find. It's about that time of year as well, too. Uh, be on the lookout for a couple of good ones. Uh, draft profiles coming from from Alex. I can't wait to read the Gabe Hall uh, one out of Baylor. And Mims well. from Georgia. Everyone's and talking Mims. about this Mims guy from Georgia. In- interesting story. I got some thoughts okay. there on Mims we'll talk about next week. All right. Look forward to that. Uh, so until Monday, we hope everybody has a fantastic weekend. And as always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.